if I was in that position and I was in these papers and these things were being written about me, I would be so stressed. He was just very, his usually bubbly self. He wants to talk, which I find incredible because you would think with that world linked to figures like Brian Grendon, that's the last thing you'd want to be doing. There's no fear in him at all that any of this is going to catch up in him. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. They were the two faces of Ireland's Celtic tiger boom. Friends who partied hard with pretty models and champagne by the bucket load. Jim Mansfield Jr. and Marcus Sweeney mixed with high society and graced the celebrity gossip columns, but both hid dark secrets that have left them fighting for their reputations. As Mansfield Jr. tastes freedom for the first time since he was jailed in Portlaoise prison for perverting the course of justice, and as Sweeney takes to social media after a damaging cab case saw him linked to the notorious criminal gang The Family, we're talking with the journalist who's met both and who's asked them the hard questions. Today, myself and Niall Donald, along with the Sunday Independent's Neve Horan, discuss the highs and lows of Ireland's one-time elite playboys and their spectacular falls from grace. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. It was a good week for Jim Mansfield Jr. because finally he walked out the doors of Portlaoise Prison. And I think there was a, a, a welcoming committee from the Sunday World, perhaps, that we might see something in the paper. We may well do. But he, yeah, yeah unlike many people walking out of Portlaoise Prison, he's going to go back to a very lovely home and to significant uh, luxuries. But yeah, he's been in, in Portlaoise Prison, which is really Ireland's only high security prison. And, you know, despite his background and his wealth, he's been in with some of the most dangerous criminals uh, this country has he's ever seen. It's one of the safest prisons. For him. Exactly. And he, of course, was, there was a general feeling there that you didn't cross him because you'd have Desi O'Hare to deal with if you did. Now, of course, he, the Special Criminal Court, were told, hired Desi O'Hare and a team of terrorists to kidnap his father's former security guard who was beaten up and who is now in the witness protection program and went state witness against Mansfield yeah. and, and was going to give evidence against the others, five others, except they pleaded guilty. So um, yeah. he's so, out. And I believe the first thing he's doing is, now Niamh, this will interest you, he's going home to the family to have his Christmas dinner because he missed Christmas dinner. He had to have that in Portlaoise prison with the lads. <laughs> So, and he's a kind of a strange family setup now. I mean, his daughter collected him and I think his ex-wife, Donna Cosgrave, who they re- have remained very close. Mm, they struck me as very close the day that I met. Very good family, tight unit. Mm. You know? Yeah, very much so. They still get on, which was because I understand they're separated. For a long time. Am I right? Yeah. But they were like best friends. It was, yeah. They yeah. definitely, that aspect it has to be admired. And, um, you know, look, these people are up on Facebook and so Facebook is probably for the old, the older generation. Some of them are on Instagram. They're very much, there's no doubt about this, but they are a family family. They are separated and that has been stated in court. Um, we're not speaking out of uh, turn on that. They holiday together because in actual fact, when Mansfield Jr. was facing charges, 
Um, and we're going to come to that because that's when you interviewed him. But when he was facing charges, he applied to the court to have his passport to ask could he go to Marb's on yeah. the family holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not many in front of the special criminal court that are looking to go to Marbella. No, and of course, when he when he did speak to you, Neve, he did always talk about being like that sense of they're outsiders. The Mansfields are kind of together against the world. Mm. I think there was a sense of that um, in what he said to you, you know. Mm. Tell us about it, because I mean, listen, we're so excited that you're here. Yeah, um, a bit of, bit of glamour. A bit of glamour, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, I've got glasses, by the way. I just want to mm -hmm. put them on to show him because you need to get going. <laughs> I can actually read that now for the first yeah. time. We're usually both of us here completely blind uh, in capable of reading through one eye. You know? <laughs> so yeah. go on. So do you Damn. want me to talk about his well, dad first, meeting his dad? Or yeah, but when did you first come across the Mansfields? Like when? Yeah. Uh, during the Celtic Tiger and uh, it was in full swing. Now I got into the paper in 2007 at the tail end of yeah. that uh, good time. That's and when that's when you started working for the Sunday. Yeah, Day. just to the tail end. Yeah. And uh, I feel like you've been there for about that is probably quite yeah, a long time. Actually, it is about 15 or 16 yeah, years. years yeah. yeah. And uh, and so they were always kind of they were one of the set, you know, and in these nightclubs. Um, but they would never. Did I ever come across Jimmy Jr. out in the nightclub? No, I came across PJ. Mm. Very, very quiet, very reserved, very well spoken, just like yeah, a nice guy. And uh, but Jimmy, I had heard of as well through Katie French that he was dating, and I had seen pictures of him. Yeah. But um, the day that I met him and PJ was when I asked the father for an interview, and um, and the reason I did that was because of the rumors that were circulating so that his business was involved in drugs. And were was were those rumors widely circulating around those mm -hmm. kind of scenes? Very much so. But it it, it had never. As I understand it, it had never been written about. No. And mm. because you, I mean, it, it couldn't be written about because they hadn't spoken about it before. But everybody was talking about it. They just, you know, um, in these circles. So and it wasn't just crime correspondents that sort of had heard those rumours. It was always, it was people out and about. Out and about. Socialising yeah. with them. It was gossip. Yeah, was exactly. Was it kind of like, was the rumours that... You know, because the, I think the father denied that they had anything to do with drugs and anything to do with criminality. But what were the rumours that they were somehow involved in what was flooding Dublin at the time, which mm. was cocaine? Mm. And that um, this is where the money was coming from. And it was kind of, you know, these things when it's said off and off, it's just a given that, mm -hmm. look, we can't prove it, but it is happening. So I said, why not just ask? Why not ask? And he had a lovely PR man at the time. Yeah. And uh, and I just said, is there any chance? And lo and behold, he came back and said yes. So um, I went down and met him in his office in City West. And um, very, can I be very yeah. nice, yeah. very reserved, very quite spoken and just, um, just very mannerly. We went and had lunch afterwards, just like. You know, it was just, it was um, like a, a, a Sunday roast dinner with him and the sons. Uh, um, you went and had the lunch with him and did the sons join you after yeah, the interview? Yeah, they all joined and they were all very quiet. Family. I don't think they mm. said one word and I don't think the dad even said it. it was just a very quiet family dinner down there, which they're supposedly they would usually have every day. I think he's a man of routine and his spuds and he's, you know, yeah. and this, you know, for all his money, for all his millions, he would still go up to the carvery and get whatever, um, you know, the same thing every day. You know, he's a, somebody who like routine. I, uh, little things stand out. I remember the office was beautiful. I think there was antiques there. I think 
And the thing that struck me about him was he would look you dead in the eye and say, there's no drugs in my business and was happy to answer that question mm. where I think any other businessman that you put that through would run a mile, would um, put out threaten their... Threaten to sue you. Threaten to sue you. <laughs> They'd, you know, put out their pure people. Two lines, two lines. But I, there yeah. was something, I found it very admirable that yeah. he was willing to say, okay, tell me the rumours, tell me what you've heard and address it straight on, you know. And was and he nervous or was he nope, restrained? No. Nope. Totally, totally and calm. he just put it down to jealousy. That good old fashioned Irish, it's, um, mm, it's jealousy. Yeah. And I think you know, um, uh, what had happened with Katie French, all of that kind of, it, it, the, the rumours grew thicker yeah. around mm -hmm. that and he wanted to address it. And when he did, I mean, you know. What did you think? Did you think, I believe this man? This man has looked me in the eye and told me I believe him. See, the thing is, I mean, you can never know unless no. you, I was I was going to use a phrase there that I probably Go for been. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's been true. We love a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. actually quite bold. It's that quite goes around. Well, you not... call him a cute whore. No, <laughs> I was actually going to say something a lot worse. I was, uh, but there is a phrase in newsrooms, you know, and it basically, unless you see it happen with your own eyes, I think he had a, a sticker in in the Sunday World <laughs> pics, or it didn't happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. so um, all you can do is go down and I ask the direct question. They give me yeah. their answer, mm. and well, I can tell know, you, I. I one of my, I just started journalism in, in the Sunday Mirror, uh, probably around the same time. And I got put in touch with Dutchie Holland, right? Mm. And I met him for lunch and he sat there. I was only just in and I sat down and had lunch with him for an hour. And he told me he never did anything. No, never got involved in drugs. Didn't even know John Gilligan. Certainly never shot Veronica Gearin. I mean, he was like a, talking to your granddad. Mm. And it's very disconcerting because you think. It, can I just. Yeah. Tell you both something. Yeah. Just maybe this is yeah. leading obvious or not. Now, actually, Jim Mansfield Sr. had no convictions for a crime and went to his grave without yeah. anything being proved about him. But at the same time, sometimes people who are involved yeah. in criminality yeah. tell lies. Yeah. Okay. And they're good and they're good and they're good and they're good liars. Just I yeah. need to shout yeah, 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 innocence, yeah. right? That, that is, and yeah. when we're not on air, I'll tell you something about Santa Claus as well, both of you. That you might well, be disappointed thing, about. But what thing, about our I mean, under eighteen listeners? You, you, I go down and I I'm saying, you know what, I'm gonna ask all the questions and yeah. I'm gonna let them give me their version of events and let people decide. And you know, even like uh, and you know, uh, um, recently Marcus Sweeney. You know, well, what what have you heard about me? Well, I've heard what I've read in the papers. You know, and and you, like everybody else, which mm. you know, as in you you research and do yeah. well and do yeah. very good at your leading your game in it. But you know, I have to ask, what's your version of events? And that's mm. that's all I can that's all I can do. Do I believe them coming out? And nothing would surprise me about anybody, to be honest with you. Nothing would surprise me about anybody. But I find it fascinating how somebody in Jim Mansfield Sr.'s world and his son, who have all the money and have a great, you know, background and are very privileged, they're not born in disadvantaged areas, how they manage to collide with all of these names and all of these people and get wrapped up in it just it blows my mind how and that's really I mean key to the fascination with organized crime though yeah. and why people are yes. I mean it is that sort of mingling of celebrity of wealth of legitimacy and yeah. then of you, you know, know and it can be another group, can be po politicians and yeah everybody mm, can be exactly. sucked in because it's money and of course Mansfield senior didn't come from 
necessarily that privileged and let's, background. Before we go any further, yeah. because there's loads of things we want to talk about with you, but let's just set the scene of 2007, yeah. mm. will we? So we've had years of this economic boom that has seen this cocaine boom go alongside it. The likes of the Mansfields were the boys about town. Okay, Jimmy Jr. wasn't out and about in the nightclubs, but wasn't he living in Palmerstown House? Didn't he have a herd of llama on his lawn? Wasn't he dating models and there was parties on the roof where he sat in the jacuzzi and everybody had champagne all night long? Mm. These were crazy days for mm. Ireland, days we probably never thought we'd see. And at that point, Jim Mansfield Sr., the father, who had this empire to pass on to his sons, was one of the richest, if not the richest man mm. in Ireland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there was a story about him that he had picked up a shovel and he'd come from nothing and he had gone and he had bought machinery in Russia or in Eastern Europe and he'd done a deal and he was the cl cutest, cleverest, wisest businessman we ever knew. And it seemed like amazing and the dream. But all the while, and it was only unraveled in recent years behind the scenes, Jim Mansfield Sr. was doing dirty money deals along with clean ones. And he was had friends within the terrorism organizations, including the INLA. He was friendly with major, major criminals and is suspected of having washed a lot of their money through the building of City West, which was, again, a phenomenal development. So that's where we are. And of course, Katie French brought it all to, to the fore, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when the rumours really started. And then as people started reporting on Katie French, names like Lee Cullen started to pop out. I mean, you heard of all these names around yeah. the time. Lee Cullen was the guy with the cars. Yeah. And yeah. I found it very difficult to, to get straight in my head how girls who were maybe, you know, models driving. Yeah. She, I think she was, you know, driving a Range Rover yes. down that night down to, to, to Ducey's house. How was she affording? I couldn't understand. There was a lot of that going on in the Celtic Tiger. Yeah. How are all these people affording all of these things? And, you know, she was a beautiful girl and, you know, there was, you would want to hang around her. I can imagine if I was one of the guys down there and she had an apartment down in City West. And that belonged was, to Jimmy Jr. That's right. And she was dating. And I remember I interviewed another girl who dated uh, Jimmy Jr. as well, um, who is now um, with a footballer, premiership footballer. But she still to this day would speak about Jimmy Jr. with the utmost respect and he was a gentleman and all of these things. So you're you're hearing all of these things and you're you're mm. hearing two sides of people's experiences. It just the, it means yeah. that there's that they're interesting because there's a yeah. whiff of danger from them. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And it's it's uh and you know and, and Katie was living down there at the time and by all means I remember back in 2007, it just like looked like they were living the dream. All mm. of that set were living the dream that, you know, we only kind of get to a glimpse of when we working in the business that we do. And, and to see so much of it, you know, kind of land the way it's landed years later, not just yeah. them, but so many people involved in the show have seen that that have landed in different in jail or mm -hmm. like you've gone out with dinners with people over the years that you think they had it all. And then. Mm -hmm. Look what happened years later. But of so. course, yeah, they could have been still living the dream maybe if the Celtic Tiger hadn't collapsed because yeah. that really put pressure on the whole mm -hmm. system yeah. because Mansfield Senior, like he was dealing with guys, as Nicholas said, back in the 90s, like Paddy Shanahan, the mm -hmm. guy known as the builder who was shot dead in a gangland murder. But he was keeping all the balls in the air until, you know, uh, till, until the collapse of the economy mm. and that put huge pressure on the system. 
Were you, yeah. Did you stay in contact with them at that point or had you so, heard of things during that time? Like? So so after I interviewed um, um, senior. A senior, you would see the odd time you would see his son um, PJ out, you know. He PJ, who's no involvement in Not at all, and, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. very, very, you know, respectable guy to me. When he actually, I remember he married Andrea and he robes, he's very high and polite and everything when you'd see him out. That's all I saw of him. Never really saw, never saw Jimmy Mansfield Jr. apart from that day. But you would hear about them, you know, on that, that, that set. Uh, Marcus, I would have seen more of, I interviewed him. I know he was kind of a little bit kind of on the periphery of that set. Just after Katie died, um, I would have interviewed him as well. But apart from that, you just... It just seemed like they got on with things. The crash happened, but you never really knew how much it affected them until I think years later. You know, Warren Buffett says when the tie goes out, you get to see who's their underpants on. <laughs> well, they, they had, they really didn't have it because that what like, like the pressure that they were coming under then. Well, what happened was in, so the crash happens in 2007 and like many people, they were overexposed financially and they owed something like the, the Mansfield group, as in and the father being still alive. They owed something like 320 million to the Bank of Scotland from memory and receivers were appointed. But their problem was not only that they were about to lose all the legitimate, you know, yep. receivers been appointed for 320 yep. million. You'd probably come out of that with your your house, your fancy car. Yep. And enough money to do you for the rest of your days. Yeah, because to me, gonna... it's completely baffling how these people go wallop, but actually they're, nothing seems to change for them. Mm -hmm. The more money you owe, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if I owed a hundred quid, I'd have to pay it back and do without. But anyway, you know, it's one law for us and for them. But he owed this money. But the bigger problem was actually this underlying problem, which was that the dirty money went under as well. He lost that. So he owed a huge amount of dirty money to criminals. And they came looking for it. Mm. I mean, they weren't going to wait till it all went through receivers and the bank no. and assets were sold off. And maybe they weren't going to take any losses because they don't. They don't I mean, do write downs. They do not do write downs. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, they don't, so, don't burn them bondholders. So that's that was the big problem. So they all started coming back to the table, looking for their money back. And Mansfield Senior, by probably 2009, his health started to decrease um he had some sort of a either a hereditary illness or some sort of an illness that um you know he he was slowly getting worse and more less able to manage his affairs he was desperate to claw back key assets including Paddy Riley's field Finstown House Hotel and there was other houses in the in the Sagart area that I don't know but he particularly wanted, so out of the 220, perhaps he wanted 10 of these houses back. Perhaps they were promised to somebody, I don't know. But he sort of started trying to deal with the receiver, trying to do what he did, which was business, to get back these key assets. His health was failing. His son, Jimmy, steps in to take on the business. And he just created this pyramid scheme. What he did was he was robbing off Peter to pay Paul. He was bringing in people to, to do security. He was trying to pay off whoever was hungriest and most dangerous landing at his door. So he was diddling some criminal gangs, you know, offering them investment opportunities that didn't exist so as he could take four million from them and give them to this guy who was about to do something Which terrible. That's what they and, nearly all end up doing. It's it's like it's like a it's like a pyramid scheme. Like a pyramid scheme. And and you know, they 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 all wanted what they wanted when they wanted it as well, you know. And I, I can, yeah, 
I don't know if I can imagine like what I try and do is like why was he doing that? Do you know what I mean? I try it's, you know he's the amount of sorry, I don't Yeah. Yeah. I just and, and sorry, I'm not condoning no. anything yeah, at yeah. all. No. Go ahead. But I love the why, do you know? But His yes, father took him out of school when he was a kid and put him working taking rocks out of fields, you know, at that there was no school education. It was like you're taking on the business. He's the eldest son and yeah. all the pressure comes down on him. And I think seeing his father and what his father had built up and the success that he'd had and then his father's health all of a sudden going and all of this pressure lands on your shoulders and it's like it's up to you now and not wanting to let your dad down and wanting to keep up an image and wanting to keep everything okay for your family. And I just, I can't, I'd say he was under a lot of huge amount of stress, stress and pressure yeah. and panic in the way yeah, that I'd say he was firefighting like he was trying yeah. to solve the immediate problem the guy is called to the door looking for 50 grand i'll take 50 grand off this other guy and i'll sort him out and that's like and a he lot was of probably listening to taking advice from people and sometimes there can be too many chefs in the kitchen and i think he was bringing in one terrorist organization like his trial was extraordinary it didn't seem to get the amount of attention. I don't know whether people couldn't imagine it. They just mm. couldn't imagine it. But you were talking about there was terrorists wandering around, convicted terrorists wandering around to Sagart House as his father was lying dying. You know, they were in. It was as if he opened the doors mm. and they came in to steal the jewels from the mansion with the father dying. And he didn't seem to junior, didn't seem to have the same charisma, the same business sense, whatever. And maybe it was because he was given too much. You know, you often see in both the ordinary world and I can see certainly in the in the criminal underworld, sometimes when an inheritance, when a, an individual gets handed something, they don't learn. The street wise. The no. street, that kind of thing. There was something thing. and I hope, look, I hope I like, but there was something that struck me as there's almost something like a bit in, innocent about him. And I don't look, I know. Junior. Yeah, not in the, the father. You know, yeah. he was, he, there was a strong, he knew there was a strong presence. There was no kind of, there was no flies in. He just, there was something about Jimmy Jr. the day I met him that was almost. Yeah. So when was that, Neve? That was, that he was, was facing these charges in the special criminal court, which were kidnap plus uh, the second yes, charge, which, which he was, was convicted on. He yes. wasn't convicted of kidnap. No, he was convicted ultimately on perverting the course perverting of justice. Courses. So, so what, were, he, what he had was he was, the, the, the guys went on trial. They were convicted for abducting the security man. Mm. Uh, Junior was eventually acquitted of that charge, but he was convicted of perverting the course of justice for getting rid of, of a CCTV image of the guy being abducted. And he served, he got an 18 month sentence and it served, you know, whatever normal it's portion of that. Yeah, a year and a bit. But so, he was facing into this trial in the special criminal court when you interviewed him, a place he never thought he would be going. Yeah, I don't. I don't think even when I spoke to him, I don't think that he thought he would be going there. I thought, did I think did you get in touch okay. with him or did he make it known that he wanted to sort of. Somebody reached out to me yeah. that knew. And I think that because I had interviewed his father, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and I, well, I met them one day, um, a very nice person in the Westbury Hotel yeah. met and said, we're thinking of this. And I said, by all means, and you don't. Sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. And they did. Yeah. And so they asked me to come down and meet him in Finstown House and like just driving in. It's incredible where this place is. It's I just the glamour there now. Yeah. And it's just this is, was just one of the mm -hmm. this is just one, you know, yeah. and uh, and when I met him that day, no, I don't think that he thought for a second that 
he I think he thought that everything would be okay, that he wouldn't be doing any time is the the impression I got off him. Was he Where did he bring you in the hotel? He had an office upstairs. Upstairs to the mm. office. And very um just very animated that day, you know, uh nervous no, but like passionate about defending himself. And um uh so when you talk about, you know, about, you know, attention to kidnappings and all the it's very hard to marry all of the stuff that you hear with the person that you that you meet. And like I've like even like had that experience where I've gone into a prison for the day and you would be chatting to somebody in a prison that would seem very nice and be showing you might you know one of the dogs they're holding and and you would come away and you would hear how many murders are in for yeah, it's just very hard to marry the things that people do with the people things that you meet mm-hmm. to the person in front of you do you know and what I'm saying of course some people of course Neve, can be have both things yeah. in them and like most criminals probably or even of the top criminals they have they most of them have some like I he, can be smart uh, and charming and even love their kids yes, they care for their that. dogs yes. they can do all of those things yes. and he was he was very affable very personable very mannerly very you know um soft like spoken very he was a gentleman that day yeah. he wasn't what did he say to you there was he, there was nothing rough about him there was nothing kind of You questioned him again about these persistent rumours that hadn't yeah. gone away since the interview you did in 2007 with his yeah. father. Yeah, and They'd was intensified. adamant. They have, they all, everybody, they always have an answer for everything, it seems. What you did know he what say, mean? though? Do you, and do you remember exactly? Like, so what? I would have to go back over the interview, yeah. but... Um, there was a flat denial, though, wasn't it? There oh, was no, yeah. There was no, yeah. there was no, like, you know, I got mixed up with a bitch. Absolutely not. No, animated, I think, walking back and down or across the room at one stage, like, just adamant that that this it okay the overall impression was it's me against the world and there it's seemed like you know it was all a big kind of conspiracy out of people out to get him that was the overall impression and of course we know what the denials were because Who we, were we the did people get he was started. trying to claiming were trying I, to get him well i i I just now you're Is this now an overarching my, sort of the government, the police, yeah, the media? There, it just seemed to be that, and the mm. the you know, I mean, I think that it was it was a me against the world. Um, that was the impression. And I got jealousy again. I don't think you mentioned jealousy like the father, but it was you know, it was just an impression of of people out to get him and they've got it all wrong. That's yeah. the mm, the mm. overall impression that I got off him. Now, it's how many years it's been. No, I, mean, I mean, I do think it was some of the stuff he was saying was they're outsiders. People don't like them because they're outsiders. It became mm. well. The Mansfields. Yes, yes. But of course, we know what his denials were because we had them in legal letters at the time. Um, mm. Yeah, he was. To the Sunday world, which was that I never, the denials were strong on from where no involved he has no involvement in crime absolutely all the way down they didn't know these people mm-hmm. never had anything but to I do think with I them. even put pictures to him at one stage because he was seen with somebody in a car park am I right yes. seen with, that seen with a criminal who's facing a very serious charge of, uh, yeah. you know connected with the yeah. feud and he was pictured in, in the car park with him he had an answer for like I said you know they have an answer for everything but I presumably you know I'll, it's in the piece yeah. I'll yeah. have to go back again well, but yeah. you know when you're even putting pictures to these guys and they have, you know, an answer to the, the yeah. you know, so. But why but, did they talk? What what was his purpose of wanting to talk? His side of the story, you know, I think it's his side of the story and to, to you know, to, 
I think I, I, yeah, you just have to take. Well, I think it was to allow him to put it out there so he could operate in the business world. He might have had to deal with banks or, you know, respectable people. And at least he can point to the fact. And, you know, of course, Nicola, that he, he was going around saying this to he was, criminals yeah, as well. He was actually, he was th- at that point in time, like he was telling, he was telling criminals that he'd have their money for them because he was suing the Sunday world, which he actually dropped the case. Um, mm-hmm. When he went to jail, mm-hmm. but he was adamantly that the, the Sunday world, because we had written a lot about, I had done quite a few stories about the whole dirty money and all that went on. And um, yeah, he was pushing and pushing this case that he he, he reached out to us and dropped it after mm-hmm. he was jailed. OK, but he was saying that and he was he was still trying to salvage what like there was no and, and they did salvage some things. I mean, he was in Finstown House, wasn't he, of course? And that that's had right. gone into receivership. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think the time that he spoke to me, I don't think he had anything to lose as far as he was concerned. You know what I mean? And no matter who you are, what's written mm. about people care about their reputation and what people they do, the image that they have out there. And why not answer it? You know, mm-hmm. and but, you know, you're asking me my memory of the interview. Yeah. This is the thing when you're, you know, yourself in this business, yeah. you can throw yourself, you can immerse yourself into somebody's life for a week or two before the interview. You go in, you know everything about them, you do the interview and then you forget and you move on to the next story the next week. So I'll have to go back. Well, no, no, there's such fickle individuals. I think it's in our DNA. This is the thing. It's no attention. That's the big story. Do you ever get approached by somebody like, and you're just, and they're so intense because you've written about them or you've, and you just have no idea. I have, I've, yeah, I've interviewed people before and forgotten and I've had to be reminded because you just, you know, it's another you feel week. So like, uh, oh my god, this yeah. Is, but it is, and you kind of—it doesn't sound like a great excuse. But you, you know what I mean. You, you, we, you immerse do, yourself, yes. and then you move totally, on. Totally, totally, you, know? you so do. So I'll have to go back and. Which brings us nicely, Neve, to our next <laughs> point of of discussion. Next individual who you've mentioned a few times there, and um, he is totally fresh in your memory because very fresh. You've yeah. just <laughs> done a massive big interview with Marcus Sweeney. Yes. Yes. TikTok star Marcus. Absolutely. I've seen that since. Yeah. 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 He's he's, um, he's looking to come on Crime World to do an interview and uh, he's not here, obviously, anyway, at the moment. So we're we just he's he's out there on TikTok. He's pushing himself out there. He's. um, And how did you did you get in touch with him, Neve, after? Obviously, he he hit he was in is in Sunday World first about. Um, a court case recently right, where he was yeah. described as being up to his oxters and or- organised crime. Um, it was a cab case that was brought against him, which he didn't appear in court to defend. Mm-hmm. And during that court case, there was details were 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 given about how he met with really what there's no uh, dispute about being uh some of the most high-level heroin dealers, both in the UK and Ireland. Mm. Um, and Marcus Sweeney, of course, we did know about this because we'd written a bit about it at the time, but it was still, it still jars, doesn't it? Because Marcus Sweeney. Yeah. It is incredible. Like when you, Marcus Sweeney, and mm-hmm. then you see, and I'm reading the Sunday World and he's meeting people uh, who have been, you know, caught with, I think, was it 670 Associates of theirs, of course, 670 million, million euro, euro worth of, of heroin. That yeah. is, f- I just, it just, I, I find it, it's mind blowing, the, yeah. the two together. So yeah. it's, you know, it's. So tell us about him. And yeah. Tell us about your first meeting with him and then your most recent interview, it's, which was lengthy. So I interviewed him after 
Katie French died and he just wanted to be left alone at that stage and get on with his life. And, um, you know, he was, uh, um, you know, there was a lot about it in the papers at the time. He just wanted a fresh start. I think he might have been with Lee Arnold at the time. Hadn't seen head nor tail of him for years. And then all of a sudden he pops up, yeah. up to his oxters, um in in what was the quote in, well it's up to his oxers in, in organized crime yeah basically. and so really uh, actually we were, we were walking around i was walking around the newsroom and the odd person i think you even said it to me oh you're going to interview marcus sweeney and yeah. i kind of laughed and a couple of people and i said i i actually must reach out to him so <laughs> yeah. i sent him a text and uh, we were texting back and forth i didn't think he would and then i got a call one saturday night and he was full of beans you know when you think that if i was in that position and i was in these papers and these things were being written about me i would be so stressed i would you know even you know he was so he was just very his usually bubbly self not a bother on him which and i had found you, had you known him well like during the katie french years had you no, seen him around no, or? not at all which is the best way to go into something yeah. you know what i mean yeah, and, probably. Um, yeah. and just the way he was speaking on the phone um, I said, if he even says an ounce of this when we sit down with the dictaphone, I'll yeah. be I'll be very happy. So um, I just said, would you meet? And he said he would, and uh, he cancelled it. And um, I just thought he's not going to do this, and he rearranged it again. He said he was sick, rearranged it again, and uh, I think I was there about an hour waiting. And he said, I'm. I rang him. I said, where are you? He said, I'm getting flowers. And I thought, it, you know, he was joking and he said, I'll be up in a second and up he pops with the 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 flowers ready to do the interview. So the flowers are for you. Yes. Yes. I thought <laughs> I actually I've I never I just want to just throw it out here. I've never been given flowers. Yes. Anybody up to yes. the Rocksters and organized go. crime. There you go. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, and he, actually, he actually did make a joke. These are from the proceeds of crime. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And so he but fair play to him. He sat down and did the interview like he like he promised. And he, he like it doesn't read as if he was guarded like he he's. Uh, there's a lot of things I describe Marcus Sweeney as guarded is not one of them. Right, right. Yeah. So he was happy to address these things or? Very happy. I think uh, the Celtic Tiger, the recession, the crash, all of that type of stuff. Yes. And then, I mean, it was, I found the most interesting was his thoughts on uh, Jim Mansfield Sr. Like yeah. he really. Yeah. Had an, a sort of hero worship nearly. What like did it was he like a, to you about that? He was like. What he's, it struck me as almost like a second father figure to him. And he, he said to me, you know, he didn't go to the funeral. He was, he was too upset. And he said, you know, but the people you love are around forever, yeah. you know, yeah. and just the way he described uh, Jim Senior was, it was like he had just, it was like a reverence. It was a respect. It was, uh, yeah, it was like sounded like like a genuine hero sort of worship yeah. of the guy and maybe a, a sort of a and, model of being a man. And what he had done in his business over and over, he repeated about, you know, the biggest hotel in Europe, yeah. you know, and I think it was somebody I think, you know, Marcus saw Jim Senior, he saw his sons who are, you know, BJ very handsome one day in a car park, I think, and said, I think he just said, I want that. I want to have what they have. And the sky was the limit. And, you know, it was just a matter of, of, of getting it. And grabbing it, I think it was. Yeah. And then, and like that, Marcus Sweeney was one of those people at the time who you used to see with all the cars and the lifestyle. And you wonder, 
well, what are what are they doing? How are they how are they managing all this? I just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know because I mean if you run a restaurant, you're almost guaranteed to lose money. Yeah, you're yeah. to be broke. Or, yeah. I mean, just yeah. about earn a wage. But they weren't obviously living like that. They were living yeah. in a totally other way. Which he describes himself, in fairness, to yeah, yeah, in in detail about yeah. the cars and the watches and everything like that. I mean, even the watch that he was wearing that day. I think we looked up afterwards. It was about twenty nine grand. You know, so he's mm-hmm. and do you think? Um, so sometimes you you meet people who they've been in the papers for so long over so many years. Do they become? Do they enjoy it? Do they not enjoy it? Do they embrace it? You know that kind of even yeah. like this something like this, which is, you know, it's linking him to a heroin gang. But does he enjoy the, being in the papers? I got think? a sense of that. He liked a bit of the notoriety. He liked a bit of. He definitely, definitely didn't like the image that um, was portrayed of him in the past, which is was almost he where he was ridiculed, you know, the tan, the hair, the, you know, the, I and the, I think he wanted to get away from that. And there was a new image that was a bit more, that was a bit darker. Yeah. And maybe just a bit more intelligent businessman type as well. Mm. He was, you know, he was talking about just to say to anybody, the full interview is on the independent.ie website oh, yeah, and it you, featured yes. in the Sunday Independent. <laughs> it was a big cover in the Sunday Independent by you, Neve. I mean, even the photos, yeah. you know, I mean, surrounded by the gold and yeah. Yeah. happy to, to do all that. You know, I think um, I think he does revel in people not really knowing him and and the different tags that he would get and, you know, is he really stupid or is he smart underneath it all? You know, is he just, a, you know, a, a socialite around town or is he involved with all these And how these did he criminals? describe it to you? Like, I know not to ask you to repeat what he said, but, you know, obviously the link there between these criminals is described in the court case. How did he sort of justify it or, or explain it? He said that they're not going to introduce themselves as criminals, yeah. you know, and... Uh, but, you know, uh, like I find it very difficult to see how somebody like Marcus Sweeney, I feel like if I met somebody like Brian Grendon, there would be a, a clash. You know, I don't know. I can't see us socially gelling. Yeah. And Marcus Sweeney would be that on speed. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It would be the extreme You're version of that. about that. And in particular about the Grendons, because they're the drug gang known as the family. They would be well, I think a rough violent outfit yes and i mean fr- from bally you know uh, and they certainly would be they would be a very far distance from marcus Sweeney yeah. from a social point of view very like, much yeah but they see it was like okay they obviously wanted or needed something off each other and they were willing to fit that need mm-hmm. and so it was it was business you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. um and but I can't, I would love to have been a fly in the wall in those conversations when they were deciding to do business together. Did he want to get over that bit of the interview quickly? And did he try and maneuver how the interview went or was he happy to let you rule it, if you know what I mean? I think he was, He the, the energy changed when I started asking those things, you know, was like, okay, just let me. But he did say, to me, you know, Neve, I've been through hours and hours of Garda interrogation. This mm. is nothing, you know, as in I've done all this, you know, mm. as in, you know, uh, I think that he had just, he was so used to it at that stage and he's very, very good at it. You know, mm. I mean, there's only, 
I better not say him in the same breath, but there's only one other person who's a politician that I found was as good at avoiding question, right. questions as as Marcus. But he, it, 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 like, it, it just flowed from him. There was no, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he found it very, very easy to, to bat things away with, He's logic or reasoning, yeah. you know. He sounds like Jonathan Dowdle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is how Jonathan Dowdle, so if he, he gets yeah. asked a question and he answers whatever question he wants, he, yes. he wants it to be asked and he answers it in great volume. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to the point of the, even the, the barristers go, what, what, what was what I asking I again? Ask? Yeah. 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 That yeah. is the, the feeling. And then yes. when he's asked something and when he's really, really, you know, squeezed to answer the question, mm. he goes, becomes very teenage-ish, petulant. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah. I get the impression it's that slightly way with Marcus. He'd he'd answer you. He'd and answer something just, you weren't asking. Yeah, and I just wonder is a little bit of a a game with him, you know, where you know when I I thought about the cryptocurrency afterwards, I said, is there something? Is there another story there? And he would also almost be tickled a bit by it. You know what I mean? Mm. That you know by the intrigue. I just it's it's very. I couldn't. I couldn't. It's very hard to know. So what do you think he's trying to present now? On TikTok, like. In, like, in, I mean, OK, he's on TikTok. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think he's trying to present that darker, deeper thinking? Yes. Like, was he doing something about a Rolex watch, throwing it off? About, did he throw the Rolex watch but, off? About I didn't see this. Well, what happened? <laughs> well, no, I mean, he's talking about, yeah, I, he, he does appear to do that. And he's also yeah. speaking, I suppose he's, look, I when I read the interview, which I thought it was great, actually, they, they you know, that he spoke about his son. I thought that was quite moving. He's, he's mm. obviously got a young son. He spoke about maybe the impact of all of this on his son. And I thought that was very, I thought that was kind of came from the heart. And he's spoken mm. about that in his TikToks as well. But it, it's a curious thing what he's trying to put across on the tic, on TikTok. Um, I, think I mean, I told him, I, sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead. I told him there should be TV cameras following him because he mm. is a quote a minute, even after, yes. you know, I just, and I wonder... I, I just think that there is so much more in him. There is so much more in him if he if he would do more interviews. I mean, even he was talking about going to the case afterwards with this field, you know, about I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but, you know, going down to the field and and taking the the grass from the field and putting it into his pocket and going to court that day, you know, uh, for that it was for a bit of luck, for a bit of luck. It was the attachment to it, you know, and uh, and uh, just he there is a he's very open he's very um he's very willing to talk and he is very colorful mm -hmm. and all of those things i don't think i don't think it's that interview is the end of him i think that he'd be willing to do m more and i'm sure he would be willing to say a lot more he just needs to, to depends be on what that. sort of i suppose forum yeah. he's given yeah. if he's not comfortable about talking about the details of his links to organized crime how would that go you know what i mean yes I, 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 yes. I, it's just a funny thing, actually, because he's obviously on TikTok and I can understand he wants to maybe salvage a reputation mm -hmm. and put a different side to him across and everybody has different sides and I think that's fair enough. But it's funny he didn't go to court and try and defend himself mm -hmm. in the court. With you know, the sod of turf in his with pocket. With the sod of turf, because, you know, obviously Cab went and said they were they were trying to, they deemed this parcel of land mm -hmm. in, in Waynestown, I think it Waynestown it is, that that was purchased with the proceeds of crime. Mm -hmm. um, that it was this, that, that a company linked to him had paid for this 
and that you know that that had been bought with money from unknown sources i think mm -hmm. it was described and one of them one of the investors was brian grendon who we've spoken about before and you know that that it was said in court that he he'd become involved with some of these criminals in order to reduce the threats to his person and property and that you know so and then it, they spoke about meeting these uk criminals and and all of these things so he could have gone into court and obviously maybe spoken about these things he mm -hmm. could have represented himself but he didn't choose to do that and instead he chooses to do it on TikTok. I think I he said it's it's draining him. Well, that's what he said to me. It's draining him that he doesn't want to 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 fight it at this this stage. But yeah. on the other mm. hand, it's he definitely does want to talk. He definitely, definitely wants he to does. And do you feel like I mean, mm -hmm. uh, with like the interview was one thing that was in a in a controlled you're a professional mm -hmm. journalist, you're taking away the information, you're putting it together in a mm -hmm. controlled fashion. The TikTok stuff seems to be happening wherever. Blanchardstown Town Centre, yes. a, a balcony, it's a little bit less controlled. Do you think that he is suffering a little bit from stress, a little bit of pressure? Do you think things are unravelling a little bit there for him? Or do you think he this is a carefully cultivated image that he wants to push forward and he's now taking ownership of of his own story uh, story as such i think i think he is he is desperate to talk and to tell his story and this is a platform for him mm -hmm. and if he had another opportunity to do the same he would he would tell his story in in again to you know to somebody a, else who would ask yeah. but just this is the platform is available mm. he wants to talk which i find incredible because you would think with that world linked to figures like brian grendon that's the last thing you'd want to be doing and i just i, I said are you not worried there's no fear in him at all that any of this is going to catch up in him and you know i you know he has walked away again and again from you know when business deals of when you know he's lost everything in mm. terms of money and he's come back and he's walked away and skated i think if an ounce of that happened happened to the normal person and i know people like that in the celtic tiger who've lost everything that never recover from the stress yeah but there's some people who are able to handle it and now with you know all those links to gangland figures you know the the idea of this guy coming down and giving it a death threat it just seems like it just it it's not it's it's either it just he's not afraid that's the one thing i can say to you is he stressed oh, and it's coming out in other ways i don't know is he and you know is he kind of i think he's just somebody who definitely is wanting to talk about his experience now but i don't know how that's going to end up from the long run i mean i think the the family like obviously we've spoken about them a bit but just on, in a sort of general background, they probably have become the, the as a gang, as the, the Kinning cartel have maybe receded a bit. They've become the number one target for for organised crime uh, operation within the Gardaí. Um, but they have a particularly sort of modus operandi where they really have like un, maybe like the Kinning cartel who had people in very senior positions. They've tended really to prey on the vulnerable, mm -hmm. to store drugs and weapons. Um, so, you know, is, do they, and maybe that, that, that preying on vulnerable people can, can, 
could include somebody like Marcus Sweeney who maybe doesn't have that cop on or whatever whatever it is, you know? See, I do hate using this word term again because I'm sure you might laugh at me when I talk about Jimmy Mansfield Jr. and there's almost an innocence to him. I do think the same with Marcus Sweeney. There's almost um, a bit of a naivety mm. or something. There's something strikes me that... Like, is he used to that world at all or is he used to or does he know? Well, I mean, I think they are used to people that have some of those qualities and they're used to preying on them. I'm talking about the family. Like. Mm. The family largely have been kind of known the part of their MO is that they will prey on particularly drug addicted people within mm. their own area. And they've tended to use them, um, you know, to give them maybe drugs and then to give them drugs to hold. So. That's in a way how they've kept themselves. The leaders of the grouping have kept themselves an arm away from the law. They're never caught their hands on product. They'll always give somebody else. And they do homeless drug addicts, very, very vulnerable people. That doesn't mean if you have, you know, a suit and a fancy wash in your arm, you're not vulnerable, I suppose. So mm. perhaps that's certainly from those people he was mixing with. That is definitely their MO. But I see exactly where you're coming from, that there's there's a Maybe naivety isn't the right word, but there's a sort of a. What would they would have called it in the old days that, you know, somebody was somebody was lacking or they were. Yeah, I mean, that it, sense of fear or something. There's and no, yet they're survivors. Yes. Yeah, he just completely fearless, but there's no. And Jim Mansfield Jr. exactly the same. Yes, he would have always said when I, when I actually doorstepped him down at the courts before um, and I asked him you know, had the family any involvement and he actually said directly to me, we are not drug dealers. I think that was the he the headline Um, that at that point he was on a GIM for Magarda information information message to tell him that his life was under a credible threat. Now, this isn't something that you get because your mate rings in and says here, listen, give such, such a GIM for him. There's, you know, there'd be a network of informers. There's ways that they pick up intelligence on this. So he had got one of these forms. It was serious. He was in trouble with all sorts of gangs and he was on some sort of a speeding ticket and he was up at the district courts and he wandered in. I approached him. He stopped and talked to me and I said to him, are you worried about your security? Not at all. He said, this is the only security I need. And he just daughter Ingrid with him yeah. and he put his arm around his shoulder. The two of them laughed and walked away. And yeah, it there is something. I think if they lack, they lack like cunning, you know. Mm. And I've seen cunning in in politicians. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not just in. Yeah. They lack a cunning. It's almost they're just so open. They're so chatty. They're so stress free. And maybe look, I'm only going. And maybe by the that's one way I of surviving. Have, you know? Yeah, it's so fearless. But they, it's like, have you actually sat down and thought about? how this could go, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and uh, they just he just. Yeah, he just he. Yeah, that's the impression that I got off him yeah. and, and, and still do, you know, as in, you know. Uh, well, I suppose even, it's something about thinking through consequences, isn't it, of your actions? And yes. maybe some people don't think like that. They are not natural optimists. Yes, you know, but and both of them interestingly have had that, that stress you're describing with the money and the business and there are people that can live with massive financial debt and it doesn't bother Absolutely. Them. I said that to Marcus as well. I said, I don't know how he was cracking jokes, laughing, not a bother on him, not a bother. And it just it blows my mind yeah. if one of those things happened to me that happened to him, which I'm sure there's about 10 things that would break a normal person. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's all just grist to the mill.
Yes. And, you know, there's that's that's it was always one of the the Mansfield story was always one of the great stories of Irish journalism in a way, because like while all of this was going on, like Mansfield Senior was also one of the biggest uh, donors to Fianna Fáil. He was at the Fianna Fáil Ardèche buying tables. I think he was he, he paid for the bar bill and all of that. It was such an incredible story to reach from the very top. Of society to the people at the really at the the very bottom and we can see how he was reaching with them in terms of the Kinnan cartel because there was a cab mm. case and that was uncontested by by Jimmy Jr. Mm. as well where a house was handed over just an incredible story that simultaneously they were dealing the people running the country and the people who are running the underworld of the country yeah you know? all those yeah. words glide I mean that's Ireland for you that's you Ireland. know what I mean that is it isn't yeah it? yeah and it's a small uh, little country, it had you know? everything. It yeah. had everything, and um, and uh, you know the tragedy and the glamour and the yeah, you the know, ups and downs. Yeah, and uh, um, and as you're proving, Neve, it's not over yet. I mean, you've Marcus Sweeney in the bag. He might come back and talk to you again. And I presume. Well, I just well, I Jr. would love to fast forward maybe um, a couple of years and just see you know where he is or what he's doing. Has he been linked to any more of these guys, or has he decided? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, to stay steer clear. Because or he, is he at some sort of an influencer on TikTok? Because <laughs> I think his 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 uh, figures are growing and all. Yeah, that really. Well, he's compelling in various. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a mean, great. He's a good presenter. You know. Yeah, he's a little bit of an uncomfortable watch at times, but uh, yeah, compelling. I, but I, you know, I, when I think about the, you know, from a very human point of view, the people that you write about all the mm. time, like Kenahan, you know, I mean, I'd say, you know, the toughest, you know, of the well, tough, if you, if but constantly having to look over your shoulder, constantly mm-hmm. being afraid. I can't even imagine what that is like to live his life and to always worry, am I going to get shot or is, are the, are the cops going to come around the corner one day? And there must be a fear or an intense pressure that you you just live with night and day, and the that the effect that that must have on you. And uh, I just you would think that if you're in that world at all, you live with that level of intense fear or stress. But I didn't see any of it with those two people or three people that I met. It's and that's a bit what like I'm in the to. royals, isn't it? You know, your world gets <laughs> the richer you get, the smaller your world gets. Yes, and. Uh, you lose those basic privileges of walking down the shop to the shops for your slice pan. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I did somebody I talked to before involved in organized crime and he said at the time it was like living with a constant panic attack. It just Incredible. was a constant panic attack mm-hmm. from day to day. See, this is why they're fascinating. I think yeah. they're fascinating than anybody else in any other field because it's you just want to ask them, is it worth it? Is it worth it at the end of the day for whatever you're getting, whatever reputation in your own communities or yeah. power or money? Is you know what I mean? Is it, you know, at the end I, I you know, if you met any of these people, you know, and sat down with them for a pint. Yeah. How many pairs of Balenciaga runners and Canada Goose jackets can one person wear yeah. during a lifetime? And, or, or do they get, just get to the point where it's like they're in so deep they can't yeah, get out? There is that. There I is mean, that. And, and I, I always think sometimes these guys, if they do try and give that life up, which they do sometimes, like, what are they, are they going to get a job in McDonald's? Do you yeah. Know? I mean, that's the truth of it. Sometimes, sorry, this reminds know? me, I did yeah. ask Marcus, you know, is there a part of it that is a bit addictive? That mm-hmm. there is an adre- it he strikes me as the type of person that gets an adrenaline hit of fast cars and you know he admitted he did coke at one time and is there some mm-hmm. rush that you get that's addictive to this as well and I wonder if, with people in the criminal you know world do they get a rush of getting away with things and saying oh, 
never doing that again. And then the opportunity comes and and yeah. they go at it again, you know? Yeah. It's like a roller coaster ride. It is. Neve Horan, thank you so much for coming on because that was certainly one yeah. hell of an interesting Great. chat. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.